You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 37 of Take A Bow Podcast. I'm your host, Eli Tokash, and... I am just so excited for this month and this episode. I have so many fun things planned and I, I can't wait to see where this goes. And I hope that you all enjoy it as much as I'm enjoying putting it all together. First, I just want to start out the podcast and just give my condolences to the friends and family and everyone who's worked with Cicely Tyson. I mean, she absolutely broke barriers in this industry her work was phenomenal and extremely diverse and I I literally can't say better things about her she I mean she's definitely someone that I look up to I mean just what she's done in both the Broadway community and in the film industry she's a true role model and I mean you couldn't not fall in love with her anytime you saw her on a stage or on the big screen and everyone I've talked to says nothing but great things so just rest in peace, Cicely Tyson, rest in power, and thank you for all you've done to better this community and our industry as a whole. So to everyone who's listened to the last episode, which was Sydney's last episode as co-host, I'm now taking over full-time as your weekly host. I'm excited for February because Take About is using this platform to amplify Black stories, Black voices, and black excellence in in all aspects. We have some actors coming on. We have some stage managers. And let me tell you, each of these individuals have done so much for their community, for Broadway, for theater, for everyone. So I'm very excited because I still think this is a very important time to continue to listen, to educate yourself, and to learn. So with that being said, today's guest is Jawan Jackson, who you may have seen in Motown or Ain't You Proud. Let me tell you, he is amazing. You're going to hear his voice and you're going to like immediately fall in love with this guy. He, you can hear his smile. He has this very deep voice. Oh my God. It's so, I was literally in awe talking to him and it, it was a blast and and he had a, a lot of really amazing things to say. So without further ado, Jawan Jackson Curtain up. Well, 
Well, this week, today, we have a guest who is a Grammy-nominated actor who you've seen on Broadway in Ain't Too Proud and Motown. You probably also have seen him right from the comfort of your homes in two Tony performances and on the Netflix hit show, The Get Down. So everyone welcome Jawan Jackson to take a bow. How are you doing? First of all, I mean, it's a crazy snow out there. So we're all just trying to stay safe. How's it going with all of that? It's going good. It's it's an interesting time. You know, I'm an introvert, extrovert. I like to tell people. Uh-huh. So like, I enjoy being in the house. So days like this is the absolute best because I got my food. I got fully stocked of stuff that I need for now, for a few days <laughs> at least. It. And then... You know, it's just chilling, watching Netflix and chilling. <laughs> yeah, I know. Too bad this couldn't be like an actual like two week snowstorm because then people would actually quarantine. Maybe exactly. we would all you be know, okay. Maybe Mother Nature's way of saying like, hey, sit down. <laughs> yeah, for real. So, Jawan, I have to ask, when did you know that you wanted to be a performer? I feel like I didn't know for sure, for sure, until I actually like made it. I, I was in college, but I know that the performing bug had been in me all my life ever since I can remember and it goes all the way back to when I was like five or six and I discovered and like my family discovered I could sing my grandmother she recorded the 1986 Soul Train Awards <laughs> and um, I used to watch that over and over and over again and repeat I knew every commercial I knew every oh my God. like it was I knew that the whole tape by heart that was also like my introduction to like Whitney Houston, because that was her very first Uh performance of You Give Good Love. Stevie Wonder was on that award show. Dionne Warwick, Luther Vandross, all my favorite gospel singers, you know, that I grew up loving. And so, you know, just that crash course itself, you know, had a passion for my my love for music. And so honestly, music was my first love. Mm. And then that kind of naturally, you know, as, you know, grade school and things started to happen. I started to get into like theater and then musical theater. And my very first theater show was in that seventh or eighth grade. I was, I was in um, a high school version of Joseph and Amazing Technicolor. Oh, <laughs> of course, of course. So that was my very first, like, for real, for real show. Uh huh. I love it. So wait, I have to ask because you mentioned it. So you started singing when you were super young, but. Mm-hmm. When you were super young, did you kind of always have that kind of deep voice or did it just like drastically, drastically change? Absolutely not. So <laughs> <laughs> I used to sing really, really high. I had yeah. this, like really deep voice and um, my voice changed at like 11, 12. Mm. And so one morning it was kind of like night and day. Like I woke, I went to bed one day and then I woke up and it was like, hey, how you doing? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I was like, where did this come from? And so yeah. that was actually, I was actually scared of it because like, you know, when you go through puberty, your your mind and your body automatically tries to do what you used to could do with like your high voice. And so oh, yeah. the notes that you were trying to hit, I could no longer hit and I'm straining to get to them. And I'm like, oh, this is ugly. What am I going to do with it? <laughs> I'm right. going to And so it was like a bit of refiguring, mm. trying to figure out how to use and what's this new voice of mine. And for the longest, I hated it. I hated it. Did not like it at all. So, you know, it wasn't until like my church, because I also grew up in the church, my uh, Mm. choir director, he kind of like mentored me and like, he was like, you got all this bottom range. So let's figure something out, you know, to do with it. And then from then on, I kind of started to embrace it. So that's awesome. That's so cool. (laughs) So tell us a little bit about you and your background. And then like, we'll get into like the whole like Broadway spiel. But so you're actually from Detroit. Mm -hmm. And you kind of like got your 
start in performing in a way on like the radio shows? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So born and raised in Detroit, Michigan. And mm-hmm. in college, my senior year in college, I did this radio show called The Just O Show. Um, it was with a friend and it was a college campus radio show. We did it every Fridays. And then, you know, that's kind of my introduction because I never even considered radio as a career path. And then I graduated and um, was kind of leaving home from church. Everything always happens after church, by the way. Yeah, of course. In Detroit, you know, if you if anybody knows, you know, what Detroit's comment is, it's always like, you either going to church service, you're going to go to Bible study, is a midnight musical, is a is a something going on. So I was heavily involved in that. And so I was riding home from church and I was listening to the radio and this guy was on, his name was the car man. And he's like, hey, I'm looking for somebody to come and, you know, actually be my assistant. And like, if you want to get, you know, your feet wet and break into the radio industry, but you don't know how, this would be a good opportunity for you. And if you're interested, reach out. And so, of course I did. I threw a shot at the wind and I met with him. And at first, you know, he was very like sticker, like, I don't know if this is going to work out, but then after like talking to him for about an hour and a half, like a, a 20 minute interview turned into two hours. And like, he hired me on the spot. He was like, I don't normally ever hire male assistants ever. He was like, because y'all oh, are unreliable. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he obviously saw something in me that was just like, actually, no, I'm going to take a chance on you. And I'm glad he did. And so from that, like the next three years, I got to you know, travel the world and be across all types of markets. I was in Vegas. I was in Mississippi. I was in Chicago. I was in Las Vegas, like doing radio shows with him. And it was an automotive talk show. And I basically was there like youthful uh, social media guy, the person that was going mm. to current events. I was, you know, going to, I used to fly to the different auto shows, you know, and get flewed out as the girl says. Sure. Um, <laughs> to, to like cover like all the auto stuff and then that was kind of like my bug and then I kind of started doing my own little passion pieces and then I would bring my friends and like break their music on the radios and then that was like another a, a thing that that's we awesome. to do, which is fun because I was like that's my passion I want to you know music is my love and so I want to help people that I you know use my platform to help others and so then I did that and that's you know then I kind of transitioned out and I auditioned for Motown and then moved to New York so Motown was your like first professional audition then? Yes, it was my it was my very first pro- wow. professional audition and honestly my first professional music theater job. Mm. Before that, that summer before I filmed Sparkle, uh Whitney Houston's last movie. Oh, right. Yeah, and I did that and that was a fun experience. So I was doing a lot of background work and stuff for that. Um, and then did you get to meet her I did get to meet Whitney oh my god and you were talking about her like back in your younger days so that's yeah. cool like you got to meet like your idol or that's something I was like, like, it's a full circle moment I've, I've had a lot of those in my lifetime over the last 19 years like a lot of really? full circle moments you know and that one in particular like quick story about her you know we were on set and like right before we you know we went out these PAs and everybody there was kind of like threatening us just like don't talk to the actors don't look at them Get out that way when they're coming towards you. And if you if we find you trying to engage or ask them for a picture or ask them for anything, you're getting kicked off set. Right? They oh my were just god! Like, very much like that. And so we're like, okay, this is my first <laughs> job. I ain't saying nothing. And the actors were the the least bit that way. Like mm. Jordan Sparks, you know, I was getting a wardrobe fit in, and she was we was like passing, and she stopped by and had a whole conversation. She spoke. Derek Luke. He spoke Tika Sumter and Carmen, you know, Carmen Omari Hartwick. 
they all were wow. like so welcoming. But anyways, so Whitney Houston comes on set. And so everybody's waiting because that's honestly the only reason I wanted to do the movie was to be <laughs> with you. Of course, of course. So Why wouldn't you? She comes and she comes on set. So, of course, everybody's clapping because it's like, it's Whitney Houston. You know, everybody stopped and clapped for Whitney Houston to come oh on. Oh, my God. And as she's walking in, exactly. We're outside <laughs> filming the church scene at this moment. So we're like spending six, seven hours filming this one scene. Of course. And so she comes out and like walks up. And the very first person she walks up, and bumps into his me. Mm. And so she said, hello, good morning. I said, who are you talking to? <laughs> she said, you. I said, good morning. I said, good morning, Miss Houston. How are you doing? She was like, why are you acting so shy? I was like, they told us not to talk to you because we don't, I don't want to get kicked off set. She was like, baby, you don't have to worry about that. She was like, you can speak. It's okay. And so oh my God. she kind of gave us permission to like, and so when she gave us permission, everybody else on the set kind of like quiet down, which also let me know the power of your top bill cast. Mm-hmm. How you run a set. So however you act is how everybody else is going to act. You know what I'm saying? And, right. you know, when in between sets and cuts, I would watch her teach Jordan Sparks how to sing I Will Always Love You. <laughs> and, like, just being stuck in a room, like, in the corner with Whitney Houston and Jordan Sparks. Just, like, the memories of that happening. It's just... It was just great. Unbelievable. Yeah, for like your first thing, that's kind of like yeah. a big deal. I mean, like, no, that's best crazy. Ever. Best experience ever. Oh my God. So then, so you go after that and you go audition for Motown. Talk to us about your first ever audition. So, uh, a funny story about that is I found that audition in the classifieds of the newspaper at home right in detroit in detroit so what oh I, my god what i would used to do once i decided that i wanted to become a professional actor every day i would go online and i would dedicate an hour of my time looking for auditions and looking for things so i would go on the internet i would you know read the classifieds or any anything and uh by happenstance i wasn't even looking for an audition i was actually looking for another job oh wow <laughs> so, i was looking and i found this it was like hey it was just clear they a little small ad it was like we got this audition. Do you want to try out? Try out to be this. I'm like, okay, cool. I emailed the people and I went out and they told us to prepare a song, a Motown theme song. And I, at the time I was with my vocal coach and I was like, well, what do I need to do? What do I want to do? And she gave me this song and I was a, again, a bass. And so I optioned everything down. So she helped me like transpose it to a lower key um, and I went in and I sang it and then I left not thinking anything of it. And then they sent me an email the next week and it was like, hey, can you actually put this song on tape and then this these sides on tape? And then I did it, not thinking anything of it. So my very first two auditions were in Detroit. And then the third one was also at the Motown Museum. So I got to go to the Motown Museum. No and that way. was the very first time that I had ever stepped foot in the Motown Museum. Oh my, wait, so you auditioned at the Motown Museum? I auditioned in Studio A in the Motown Museum. Stop it. Yeah. That's freaking crazy. It was crazy. And I didn't understand the magnitude of of it at the time. You know, I was just like, oh, whatever, it's Motown. I I drive past it to go to work, so I see it every day, but I never understood the significance of me auditioning there for Motown the Musical, you know, just how that adds to the story. And so I walk in that audition and- Valicia LeKay, who was playing Diana Ross and Brandon Victor Dixon, they were in there. And I can tell that it had been a very, very long day because they were in there and they were just like sleeping, oh, you know, not yeah. paying attention, not off in the corner, just like Valicia was knocked out. Brandon was kind of like whatever. And Charles Randolph Wright and then some people from Motown, they were in there. And so they're like, what are you going to sing for us? I sang Papa Was a Rolling Stone for them. Oh, And as I- You started, got to pick that? Yeah. Or they gave that I, to you? No, I got to pick it. Oh, wow. And so 
when I started singing, Valicia and Brandon kind of like set up like, wait, he's it, he's it. And Brandon said it out of his mouth. He was like, no, that's him. We found him. We found him. It's him. It's him. And they flew me out the next day. Well, not the next day, the following week. And then I auditioned in New York, but still not, I didn't know at the time it was a Broadway show. This is the whole crazy part about all of this. Right. You know, I didn't know it was a Broadway show until I booked it. So you thought it was a tour, correct? No, I thought it was just another Detroit show. Because oh. At the time I was doing a show called The Wiz of Motown. Oh. And so I just was like, I just want to work and <laughs> I want to get all the shows and all the plays I can and whatever I got to do to not have this nine to five because during the week I was teaching theater to high schoolers and middle schoolers that was like my main source of income Mm -hmm. and so I was trying to transition out of all of that and um yeah so I didn't know that I booked a Broadway show until I actually booked it (laughs) (laughs) what that's freaking crazy crazy. oh my god I love that but that's it was it's so much better like not knowing like the whole pressure behind it I guess because you just it's like yeah, it's just so relaxed that way. And, you know, you don't have to, like, freak yourself out or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty it's cool. What you do. And it's kind of one of those things is like, you know, because at the time, like I said, my life was so fruitful and I had uh-huh. so many things going on. For me, it was just like, I'm just going to do this thing. There's no pressure on it. I don't, if I don't get it, there's going to be something else. You know what I'm saying? Like some, another opportunity is going to come. So I think by having that mentality, you know, it actually pushed me further. And that's something I also have to remind myself, even now when I'm auditioning for things, kind of like have that same mentality that 25-year-old Juwan had when he auditioned for your first Broadway show and you booked it not knowing what it was, taking that pressure right. off of you. You know what I'm saying? I think that once we realize and once we unlock that tool and that key to life, we'll have everything we want. Yeah, it's so true. That is beautifully put. Right. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to Ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. So you're coming from Detroit. Uh-huh. And you pack your bags and you come to New York. What was like the biggest like shock to you? Like just like lifestyle, culture, shock, like all of that. Well, you know, I always knew that I wanted to move to New York. So prior oh, okay. to me moving... I had came out to visit my best friend at the time. He lived here. So I had been out here twice before. And so he stayed in Harlem 
And I was like, when I'm moving to New York, I'm staying in Harlem, you know, because yeah, I love Harlem. <laughs> Harlem feels like Detroit to me. Harlem felt uh-huh. like home. So I was like, I need to come here because this is mo- where I'm, you know, most where I feel comfortable at. And so I was like, I'm not coming here without a job, though, because New York is expensive. And I do know that. So I started saving and planning for that. So when I did come out here, I came out here with a plan because so, so many of my friends, you know, moved out here to New York. And then six months later, six months later, they were back home. It was like, oh, it didn't work out or it's expensive. And I couldn't find a right. space. So I was like, that's not going to be my story. And so, no. you know, I came and booked a job and I was like, and I'm not going back. <laughs> and so that's kind of like, but the shock, I think, was the trains. Because, you know, in the past nine years that I've been here, the rats were the, <laughs> <laughs> you know, they weren't as tamed as they were. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we were going to train platform and there's just rats zipping across, you know, all of, I was like, this ain't normal. Oh this is not normal. No. <laughs> you know, so that was the only thing for me that was like a shell shock. I was like, y'all rats are like ants or like squirrels yeah. back home. You know, like we see a squirrel, like their rat, their rats are squirrels. Oh, really? <laughs> you know, so I was like, I cannot do that. Cause I, you know, funny story, I got bit by a rat when I was younger younger. Are you serious? Yeah, I was like, we used to keep our dog food in the garage. And, you know, one night and I was just being lazy and I left it on, you know, on covered and um i went out there to feed my dog and then so i usually dip my hand in the bag to get the scooper to scoop the food up and so right. i dug my hand in the bag this time and like something was moving i'm like what is you know not thinking of it so i was like okay maybe i'm tripping because it's night <laughs> it's late whatever so i dig my hand again and then this time like some bit my hand so i'm like well I still not know. I'm like, maybe I cut myself or something. Oh my God. So my, my thoughts was like, okay, Juwan, just take the bag up and pour the food in the bowl instead of trying to dip your hand in it. <laughs> so I pick the bag up and I pour, you know, start pouring the food in the bowl <laughs> and out drops a big black and white rat no. in the bowl. And then I looked at my hand, I saw the rat and I realized I got bit by a rat. <laughs> so, that is terrifying. <laughs> so my mother had to take me to the hospital, get tetanus shot the whole nine yards. And I was like, oh I don't want to mess with it anymore. <laughs> so I was petrified of rat. <laughs> oh my god, I couldn't imagine. That's absolutely terrifying. It's crazy. So you're in New York, and uh, you're about to make your Broadway debut. Like, mm-hmm. come on, that's freaking crazy. Yeah. And so you got the role of Melvin Franklin, one of the mm-hmm. Temptations. Now, were you a fan of the Temptations before you started Motown? Obviously, probably because yeah. you sang Papa as a Rolling Stone for your audition. But yeah, so so that was always like someone, a group that you like admired and looked up to. Yeah, you know, The Temptations, Boys to Men, Black Street, mm. just all of those groups. I mean, these are groups that we grew, I grew up on, you know, being from Motown, like I've always heard the music we know and are familiar with the, their classic sound. But like more specifically, because Melvin there aren't there weren't many bases for me to go to reference and to find singing uh similar singing styles of right and melvin and the barry whites and the um lou uh i'm about to say louis armstrong's um <laughs> lou rawls you know those were the ones that i kind of like referenced when it came to like figuring out like sound and how to like melodically sing a song you know mm. instead of just like holding down like the baseline and the the foundation of a you know of a song and so those are the kind of people I turned to and would listen to um 
And so, yeah, I did love it. But that was a, a big thing. And, you know, you come to New York thinking that your traditional, you have this idea of what you think your Broadway experience or like finally making it to the the Super Bowl of theater is going to be like, right. you're like, okay, I made it. I'm about to be a star. I'm about to get a Tony. I'm about to yeah. do this. Like, <laughs> I just thought all of these things are about to happen. I'm about to be over billboards. Yeah. And it was the furthest from it. Oh, <laughs> my God. Well, I mean, to be fair, you literally make your Broadway debut, not even knowing you were going to audition for Broadway. Yeah. And then, sure enough, a couple weeks later, you're performing on the Tonys. Yeah. So, like, although you may not have, like, been nominated or won it, but, like, you yeah. performed. What was yeah. that like? You know, performing in the Tonys, Tonys was a, a dream come true. I just remember just that whole experience. I remember that year. I was just in a, a state of grateful and, and gratefulness. Mm. And so everything that was happening, it was, like, checking off childhood dreams and, and, and check marks that I had only dreamed of as a child. And so that was one of those moments where, and I, I have a picture, but it's a picture of myself. And at the time, the guy who played little Michael Raymond, I'm holding mm -hmm. him up. And like, we're both like, yo, we made it. I'm so, you know, we're so happy. And it's just like one of those moments, like, oh, I'm here. This is what yeah. I've been trying to, to do. It was just the best experience ever. You know, and that's awesome. I got to go backstage and hold the Tonys and like <laughs> fake present. And yeah, <laughs> it's just, it was, it isn't was that stage experience. insane? It's the huge. Radio City. Oh my it's God. Very intimidating. You know, yeah. <laughs> even this, even the second time around when I did it, you know, in 20, 2019, I was just like, wow. Okay. I came here as a, a ensemble person. Now I'm here as a, a, a lead on Broadway. Oh my and I God. get I get the first three minutes of the number to like be about me and my group members like as a lead. This is insane and crazy. Yeah, you know. I mean, so Motown was li literally one of the most influential groups that ultimately changed what popular music was and kind of changed the music culture. Can you talk a little bit like about what Motown means to you? Yeah, Motown means Motown for me is. It's family, honestly, at this point, you know, just not even knowing the people, you know, dead and alive. I feel like I have right. to have a connection with them because so long I've been working with them for, you know, Barry Gordy has become like, you know, uncle, you know, just family. Yeah. Like I know I, anytime I, I see him or I run into him or I can talk, call him and talk to him, it's always love, you know, Uncle Otis, uh, Smokey Robinson, oh my God. like, Martha Reeves, just everybody that I, I encounter now and I run into because I was a part of that legacy, they I don't know what I would do be without it today, honestly. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like a lot of my music and who I am is influenced by the sound of Motown. Right. In general, whether I knew it or not. You know, like you can go back and you can listen, you're like, oh my God, I know this song, but I didn't know it was a Motown artist. It's mm. one of those things that it's Motown so much ingrained in my body and my, my, my DNA that, you know, I don't know who I would be without it. Yeah. I mean, I don't know who any of us would be. I mean, seriously, yeah. I, I feel like all of those songs you listen to today's song and they're completely different to what it was in the fifties, forties, whatever. And all because of Motown in that period of time of, amazing music yeah. and it, it's cool to see like it's it still being represented in some way today yeah and you can also i mean even now like when you play even any some of the most of the songs that you can play they're still relevant today which is exactly <laughs> insane so i'm like this timeless music 
you know, and it always were. They were way ahead. Yeah, they were way ahead. But it also informs the music that I, I aspire to create because I'm realizing I see the music that they made in the 50s and the 60s that can still be played as a, a top Billboard 100 single now. Like I want to create music like that that last sure. generation and generation. So, you know, it just, I use them as the blueprint. Absolutely. So you played Melvin Franklin in Motown. Mm-hmm. First of all, we need to get a, like, a count on how many times Melvin Franklin's <laughs> going to be said during this podcast. Exactly. Um, <laughs> but uh, so you play him in Motown and then you play him in Ain't Too Proud. Mm-hmm. What is it about like Melvin that is so easy for you to relate to and kind of tell his story and connect to him? other than your your vocal chops. Yeah, I feel like <laughs> Melvin, who Melvin was, is similar to who I am. I, I feel like we were sp- mm. uh, kindred spirits um, in sure. a way. Um, anybody I've ever encountered that knew Melvin always, you know, spoke nothing but light and love about him. I ran into one person who he was like, Melvin was childish as hell. I was like, yeah, that sounds like me too. <laughs> <laughs> I can be childish sometimes. It's fine. You know, everybody's youthful, you know, but like, For real. it just speaks anytime I, I hear stories of like, oh my goodness, like me and this man was like almost alike, identical, just in the way that I would hear like he's given in the way that, you know, um, he was that he was called everybody's best friend. And then, you know, mm. in high school, I was everybody's best friend labeled everybody's best friend in my my yearbook so i was like that's awesome you know it's like it's so many connections that i see that melvin and i had so i think that's what connects me to him and and he's so special to me because i feel like even when i play him there's not putting on him it's just being you know because we're so much alike and so i just give myself and the essence of him flows out and so Mm -hmm. i think that's what's what relates me to him wow that's pretty neat. When did you, when exactly did you join uh, Ain't You Proud? Did you join it on um, when they came to Broadway? No, I joined it right um, after their run in Berkeley, California. Oh, okay. So then I went on. I was in D.C., Toronto, and L.A. with them for the first like three city tour, and that was fun. Was everyone like in it at that time? Like who who they ended up taking to Broadway? Yeah. So the five of us uh, on that three city tour were in the. We were the original okay. five. Yeah. Yeah, so you could totally tell when I, so I saw Ain't Too Proud, and I actually saw it twice, and it was actually funny, because the first time I ever saw it, I was with my whole family, uh-huh. and I, and including my grandparents, and after the show, I was like, they had like dinner reservations or whatever, and I was like, I'll meet up with you later, and I went to the stage door, and I only went just to take a picture with you, really? and after that, yeah, and as soon as you came out, and you signed my playbill, and I took a picture with you, I left to go meet them for the dinner <laughs> reservations because I was like, that's all I wanted to meet. Your essence, I mean, like, it's so true. You totally tell the story of everyone's best friend, you know, that smile right there that you're Thanks, doing, man. you know, like, you, it's so just warming and it's so, like, gravitating to watch. Um, so, bravo, by the way. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, no, of course. But you can totally tell that you guys have this connection of brotherhood yeah. and everything throughout the show. and. How I mean, how important is that time of the rehearsal process and the out of town tryouts and going through all of that, all of those journeys together? Um, how important is that to build a foundation of a show, especially one like Ain't Too Proud? Yeah, it's really important because Ain't Too Proud is kind of like an ensemble driven show, mm-hmm. and so the most important thing that I think that everyone needs in the show to do and to 
have the experience that we all have is trust. And so mm. I think that is the one most important thing that I was, you know, um, seeking when trying to figure out the dynamic of it is like, can I trust who's next to me? If right. I, if I, if something happens, can I trust that they'll be able to pick me up or like hold me down when, when I can't hold myself up? Like I need to trust them. And so, you know, the good thing and the blessing is that we were all friends before the show. Oh, and that's so, awesome. you know, I worked with Ephraim and Motown. Ephraim was actually a temptation with me. He played yeah. Otis Williams in Motown. Oh <laughs> I was Melvin. And so, you know, and then Jeremy Pope, like I knew him, like he, Jeremy actually took my headshots. One uh-uh. year. So that's, you know, and then we became friends and like, I was like, cool. And I knew Derek through other shows because him, Derek and Ephraim were best friends. Uh, and the okay. only person, honestly, I did not know was James. So I kind of met James because it ain't too proud. And but that was an easy jail because James spirit is just, you know, so sweet and he's so cool. And so like and he knows what he's doing. And so James was kind of like, you know, one of those people like, come on in, let's work together. Let's figure it out. And um, we just was a fit. And so the dynamic of the five of us is you could you could you couldn't cut us <laughs> because we we're so tight. And that was in yeah. and out the show, like even like we just made sure we protected one another. And that's one thing that I think that's important. And people can actually feel like you said, when you they come on, you come and see the show is that we are actually friends. We actually are having a really, really good time because we care and we love about each other. And the jokes are not contrived. They're actually real. When something is yeah. happening, we're actually laughing because yeah. somebody <laughs> did something. Yeah. You know, and that's a that's a blessing because you don't get to have that in those types of shows, you know. It's, and even to, to go as far, further as the ensemble, I knew half the ensemble there, too. I was close friends with everybody. And so, like, we, we're just tight-knit. Like, we know the goal. We know that everybody gets a featured moment. And everybody's mm-hmm. responsible for passing the baton to the next person to keep the show moving. And so I think that those are the most important things, especially, like, when creating a show is that camaraderie and the trust that you have with the people that are next to you. Right. Wow. Yeah, it's so true. So obviously being a principal in an original Broadway cast production, mm-hmm. um, you have to do a lot of press for a show. <laughs> You've obviously done a lot. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like I see A2 Proud over like all, <laughs> in all locations at all uh-huh. times. And by the way, you always have the most fire suits on. Oh, like you. Know, you. It's always different and <laughs> you, you always look fire. But, Listen, that's my uh, stylist. Shout out to yeah. him. Right. Yeah. I love it. It's sweet. I mean, the colors you pull off, man. I, I don't know. Man. It's so he, good. Listen, I don't, you know what? I always, you know, funny story. I always fight him when he no. comes kind of styling me. He will pull some, something. I'm like, no, I don't know about that one, Harrison. He was like, trust me. Trust me. You got you got this dark skin. Colors work for you. Mm. Colors is your thing. Trust me. I'm like, I don't know. I like, just give me the give me the black one or just give me something yeah. regular. But then I'm glad I always let up and he pushed, push, push because you know, I, it always becomes out like fantastic, and I yeah. Then I always go back and be like, you know, you was right, you were right. Yeah. <laughs> so, what has been where? Yeah, I guess where or what has been your favorite place and event to perform at? Well, we had this stint where Anna Winter was calling us everywhere and like requesting for us. So anything, <laughs> anything Anna Winter wanted us to be, to be oh at, my god, we were there and we did. That's those are one of my favorite things because I always knew. It was always going to be a who's who. And then I always <laughs> knew it was going to be like high class and very legit and very great. And it was going to be an experience. So that's that. 
But then like the TV show spots and things that we would do, those were fun too because we just had fun. And then like, even though it'd be grueling, we have to wake up five, 6 a.m. to get there. And then, you know, because I'm a base. I feel like we're all bases yeah. <laughs> in the morning until we yeah, walk up. For sure. So just hearing like Jeremy and Ephraim at five o'clock in the morning with, you know, their vocal coach, you know, mm-hmm. that was of the show. And she would be whipping them in shape, warming them <laughs> up in the morning so they can be hitting these high notes and stuff. You know, that was always fun. Just like the time we always spent to each other. So. Yeah, sure. I, I know what you're talking about, man. Those Macy's Day, Thanksgiving, those parades those and all of that, like are not it's fun. Crazy. <laughs> I, I mean like they are fun, but like yeah, and it's but... so cool to like look back on, but that day is just like not it. Because you're you looking know? At it like, oh my goodness, I was dead sick. Like one yeah. of those shows, I think it was the um, Good Good Day America or Oh yeah. Uh, one today show maybe. I was like deathly ill. Like no voice, no like no I was way. Like horrible. So I just remember like looking at the shows and sometimes like my body recoils because I'm like, oh, I wasn't feeling well. Like, how did I do that? Sure. But that's the price that we do for, you know, for the art. That's the sacrifice we make. And so it is great memories. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So as we've talked about, you've played Melvin in two different shows. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that you noticed the second time around about like how to add this to who Melvin is or just as you continue to explore, um, what was something that built? Uh, I just, I think the nuances Mm. of him was the thing that built. It was the subtleties and the nuances because I remember from Motown, I used to, in trying to discover it because Melvin was just like a feature and he came in and off. So I never really had time to actually Mm. let it marinate in me because I also played because I was ensemble I was also a miracle and I was also a commoner and I was also like whatever else that the show needed so I never really had a time to marry who I wanted Melvin to be but now coming to do this solely it's just you know me noticing just like the nuances and the things that I wouldn't have normal like gotten to do on stage with him and just subtleties subtleties uh yeah, I mean, I feel like anytime you play a character, especially like I'm sure just how it's changed for, since opening night to mm-hmm. what it was the day before Absolutely. quarantine happened. Absolutely. Because <laughs> I had time, because we started our very first show was in Bloomington, Indiana. And that was the very first time that I got to like actually do the whole show with the whole cast. And so they had this invited run and they invited like 2,000 people out in this big old arena. And I was like, oh, I got to do this in front of people. Yeah. And I don't know. I haven't got, I haven't figured it out yet, you know? And so, you know, doing it for the first time, you know, after I finished, I remember coming off, you like, my, once my last scene comes and I, we die off because everybody dies. That, right. You know, no spoiler alert because that's the truth. It's true to the story. So, yeah. <laughs> um, my death scene as I'm coming off, I just remember the audience clapping. Now I'm getting a round of applause, like an exit applause. And then the next day, I remember when we were in like rehearsal and you know, a note section session, the director stopped and was like, Joan, I just want to let you know, did you notice that you had an exit applause? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, didn't, didn't everybody get one? It was like, that has never happened ever. Wow. Show. And you know, they did, like I said, they did it in Berkeley Rep. And so that's when I begin to understand that actually my character is somebody special. And so I just need right. to focus and figure out and start to continue to doing the work because the work is getting done. 
and people are seeing it and feeling it. And so like, let me continue to dive in and like become an onion and, and peel layers and be complicated and be gentle and be funny and be all of these things that I know Melvin was. And so, you know, ever since like, that's been my motivation. Wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Obviously, the Temptations are kind of known for their moves. Mm -hmm. Do you consider yourself a dancer or like more of a mover? Because I can no, see you feeling yourself no, up there. No, no, no? no. Neither. I will Neither. say, though, I'm a mover. I will say I'm okay. a mover. So here's the thing. I remember my audition in Motown. They were like, can you, can you dance? Do you know choreography? Can you keep it up? I said, I'm a club dancer. I can dance in the club. <laughs> like... I can dance behind somebody and keep the rhythm. Like, <laughs> you know, my mother, she taught me hustles. So back home, we used to do oh, yeah. like, you know, ballroom dancing and stuff like that. So I know all of those moves and I can do all that. But as far as anything else, I'm not good at. <laughs> and I literally had six weeks prior to joining the cast with just dancing and singing along to learn all wow. that music and learn all the dance moves. Um, but I am nobody's dancer. No, <laughs> everything is like natural and, 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 and innate. It's never, it's okay. I'm not classically trained at all. Did not right. take not one dance class um, in college or anything. Like everything I'm, I'm learning is self-taught. <laughs> what did you go to college for? I went to college for uh, biology, biochemistry. Oh, wow. Um, but then later on, probably my, I ended up finishing my degree because I switched mid, like my sophomore year. And I ended up switching my degree and major to theater communications. And then I kept my biology major. So, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, minor, not major. <laughs> and so I did that. But yeah, and I still, even then, I still, I never took a dance class. Never. Yeah. It was just like always theories classes. It was like theory of a theater, theory of this, theory of that, but never like a physical movement class. Never. That's hilarious that you say that because uh, I'm currently in the college audition process and uh, all of the schools that, didn't require me to dance for musical theater I auditioned for um and then all the others were just drama so yeah. <laughs> so I, I totally feel that I was like I'm not dancing for nobody I'm not dancing for you no why <laughs> right in the room like oh you're gonna teach it to me anyway so why am I have to learn this <laughs> right so actually I I go to prof the professional performing arts school the PPAS mm -hmm. and I'm in the MT major and we uh work with Rosie's theater kids yeah that's one of our, um, I guess, like our our program heads. Uh -huh. And I saw that you do a lot of work with them. Yeah. So, like, can you, yeah, talk, talk. I'm interested in hearing about this because I've worked with Jeff Statil and all of them so closely the past four years. So, come on. That's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Rosie's Theater Kids is, uh, is an organization now to me is so near and dear to my heart. I joined with them, I probably want to say like the end of 2018, beginning of 2019, mm -hmm. just because. I realized that I one of my passions has always been keeping the arts and education. And so right. my publicist, I reached out to my publicist and was like, hey, I want to be a part of an organization so I can start giving back and mentoring, you know, because this is a platform that I want to amplify now with the success of where I'm going. And so right. if I can shed light and use my celebrity or my influence to, you know, shine a light on organizations that I believe in, like, let's do that now and find an organization to help. And so we went through a whole bunch of organizations and then we kind of, and then we landed on Rosie's Theater's Kids and, you know, Lisa Dancer has been, you know, who's the artistic director and everything there. She and I have gotten just such a, a cool relationship now, but like, I love it. Any, any, you know, anytime I can, can mentor or give back or show up or say something or do something I have. And 
they become that organization that anything that I raise money for is going to Rosie's Theater Kids because it's, oh, wow. I believe in everything that that organization does. They do, you know, they're really, really great. The kids, they come out of there and they're just, they're knowledgeable, they're well-mannered, they're talented, gifted, and, you know, they're giving back and going into the inner city, helping the people who actually don't have it or in need it. And so, yeah, Absolutely. I've been with them now since 2018-19. Wow, that's awesome. I also uh, read in your bio for Ain't You Proud that you successfully helped implement a program for high schoolers who had a passion for the arts. Uh -huh. what, can you talk a little bit about that as well? Yeah, so it was an after-school program where if you wanted to get into um, arts and entertainment, we had some college students that would come to different high schools around the city, and we'll go and we'll teach essentially another class, and then you'll get credit for it. That can go toward, you know, um, graduation as like an elective. And then we also, we were also given incentives, so like college credit. So like you can be essentially taking the class after school. And then when you graduated, you had a credit already That's... to go once you get into college, you know, which was a great incentive. That's awesome. But mainly because the schools that we were going in, they really didn't have a thriving theater program. And so okay. we would go in and implement, you know, these programs and then like even help out the non-existent programs to kind of like revitalize them. And so we'll come during the day helping the theater program do things and bring awareness. And then we have performances and, you know, showcases to help these kids. We had scholarships, we had mentoring programs, we had all kinds of things. And so it became really, really successful. And then we were over, we were in over like 10 to 12 schools uh, within the city. It was really good. Oh, okay. It was really good. So it's in New York. It was, no, it's in uh, Michigan. Oh, Michigan. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's what I was figuring. I was like, is it in your hometown or is it in New York? Yeah, oh, that's York, awesome. Yeah. I mean, Detroit, sorry. Oh, right. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I, ha I have to ask uh, as well, going back to Ain't You Proud and all mm -hmm. of that, what is it like to work with someone like Dominique Morisot? Because Blood at the Root is one of my favorite plays. And she, I mean, so like ever since I read that, I've been a huge fan of her. And that's actually something that Rosie's introduced me to, mm -hmm. uh, that show. And like ever since I've followed her work. So it's it's incredible to see women guiding the way, like being on a creative team and stuff like that. Yeah. So like, what is it like to collaborate with her and Ain't You Proud? You know, Dominique is my home hometown homegirl. Um, she's also from Detroit. Um, the one thing I like about Dominique is that it, it, it does not matter what room that she's in, she's mm -hmm. always going to speak her truth and the truth, you know? Wow. And so just watching her maneuver 
in these rooms, in these situations, I always admire because anytime she opens her mouth, you know what's going to come out. It's going to be powerful, and you're going to be take you're going to take something away from it, and you're like, actually, let me write this down so I can refer back to it. And so, just the joy in the in the in that is inspiring. I remember like I was just trying to figure out my character when we were first first starting out. I was kind of like at like a I was conflicted a little bit, and I was like, okay, so I feel I feel like he has a strong beginning, a strong end. But what's the middle, you know, because mm. I don't want to turn him into a, a auxiliary character within the show and get lost in the shuffle. And now he kind of like he's like a throwaway character and he doesn't matter. So how can I make him matter? What is it within the story that you wrote that we either add or we can expound upon so I can kind of like we can give this man, you know, a little bit just doing so. She went and she talked and we talked for about an hour. I remember walking around the D.C. streets just talking and just everything that she said to me, it just was like, wow. Okay. I didn't think of that. Okay. Okay, cool. You know, she's like, you know, use this moment. Um, and she brought up the scene where Paul gets kicked off the group. Oh, and I remember her saying, she was like, in that moment, that is your climax. And that is when, you know, your character realization comes to, to life. And he was like, this is, you know, because up until that point, I'm agreeing with Melvin. I'm this mother's boy. You know, I'm always like, yes, yes, everything's cool. How, you know, always kind of like just to sit, bring the group together. But at this moment in the show, I was at my wit's end. I was like, nah, I done had enough because you, <laughs> you know, she's like, right. take a moment and use that moment to catapult you into, you know, the next one. And I was, you know, I thought about all the things she was saying. And I was like, wow, okay, well, let me, let me do that. And I did. And it was like, it made a world of a difference and it kind of gave me an understanding for Melvin, my character arc um, throughout the show. It was like, Oh, I'm no longer, I no longer feel like, Oh, it's just another character in the show. But now, honestly, I feel like Eli, that was the, the, the moment, those things where people start to look at Melvin, you know, as a lead man and as right. the lead versus like just David Otis and uh, Eddie. Because I felt like that's what it was. And I and I realized like, oh, people actually now want to know Melvin's story. And people are like, oh, and Juwan, by the way, you know, but at first it wasn't like that. I feel like, you know, I, I worked so hard to make sure that he wasn't a forgettable character yeah. in the show. And Dominique helped me really bring that to life. And so it was just a joy working with her anytime I'm in the room with her. It's always a joy. Yeah. Totally. I mean, I I've read so much of her work and my my teacher, Greg Parenti, just he speaks so highly of her and uh -huh. everything like that. So like, I've always been like a big fan. And then I saw that she like, that's how literally that's how I found out that like, uh, about ain't too proud was really? that Dominique was having a new show coming out on Broadway. Yeah, And uh, like, yeah, so like, that's like one of the first things I ever heard about ain't too proud. So and then like, after that, I was like, Oh, it's the temptations. This is awesome. Like, it's gonna be great. <laughs> and and then of course, you're in it. And so it's even better. Yeah, but that's awesome. <laughs> so Say we're living in a world that we have theater, right? Mm -hmm. And you could play like quite literally any role you ever wanted. It's one that's like not typecasted in any way or like like even like for your voice or anything like that. What would that one character be? And then follow-up question, if you had to play another legend like Melvin Franklin, mm -hmm. what other one would you want to play? Oh, these are tough. They're really okay, sorry, sorry. Okay. So I'm a little backwards. If yeah, I yeah. were to play any other legend, uh -huh. even though I know it, it wouldn't necessarily be 
the type, but I probably would say James Earl Jones. Oh, yeah, James Earl Jones. We we forget that he's one of those silent killers. Like he is yes. a legend, legend, and has done so many. And he is the the pinnacle and the you know just the benchmark of what yeah. you look to like. Uh, the gold standard in like anything low voice, anything voiceover, anything whatever. You got your Darth Vader voice ready? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and then if I can play any role, you know, I don't know. I haven't really thought about that. I haven't no? really considered it. Maybe maybe one that's not written yet. You know, maybe yeah. you can be another original Broadway cast. You no, know, I, I mean, I've been doing so good with original Broadway cast. So yeah, let's, let's just continue down that road for that. But I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> you know, I think it's interesting too. Like, I don't think people understand the like how like what an honor just being in the original cast is like is because mm-hmm. like i've been in three broadway shows but i've yet to been in original cast mm-hmm. so like that is like my next goal because like that's like one of the coolest honors to say that you know like i opened this show and i performed at the tonys and i did like the, and we were able to do press yeah. and everything like that like i think it's one of the coolest things just being a part and also like people don't understand also what really goes in to putting up a show on stage blood sweat and tears i'll tell you that yeah i mean <laughs> a seriously. lot of tears more tears i think blood and sweat <laughs> absolutely and like i think that that just the process like being a part of a process that is so unique and goes through all a bunch of trial and errors and oh let's try this and let's try that but oh that didn't work but this did and like all i just find that so fascinating to be in a room to see where all of these brains are working together yeah. and create this masterful piece that is the final product that we all see yeah. uh, it's just one of the coolest things oh thanks yeah it, no worries it's definitely it's definitely a, a honor and um I don't think I actually realized it either until I actually, we actually did the Tony Awards and then we started, we recorded the cast album for Motown. Right. You know, and I was like, wow, I got a CD <laughs> with my name in it and I'm featured and I'm singing on it. That's the very first like professionally released CD I ever yeah. done, you know? And so, and like, you were nominated for a freaking Grammy because yeah, of it. Like, yeah. like for Ain't Too Proud. Yeah. I mean, like, just being in that original cast just like means so much it and opens, it opens up like so a whole much new for you yeah absolutely right you know and so i mean i mean and that and that is you know just the goal i, I want you know i see for myself it's just one of those things where also i tell people like shoot and and have raise the bar for yourself you know so mm. like don't settle for just like oh okay i'll be this and i mean for some people don't get me wrong that may work for them but for me specifically that doesn't work for me i always mm. need to make sure that whatever the best is, that's what I'm going towards, you know, and I'm going to work toward. I think it's important to have a standard for yourself. Right. Absolutely. I mean, you can only go as far as like your end goal, you know? Yeah. You're not going to push yourself any like harder after that. So just reach for the stars, I, I, I guess, in a cliche way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> do you have any of those like pre-show rituals or, you know, like you have to eat certain things or like whatever that you do when you're a part of uh, a company? On Broadway, I feel like I don't, but I find myself doing the same thing every day. So what okay. I what I normally used to do is I always have to get there. I never can get to the show, and I try not to get to the show at half hour. I always want to get to the show before half hour, so I can always like reset and like actually calm down and get my my mind in a space of 
you know, just like being able to flow. And so with that being said, like, I'm, I love ginger ale, so I always start with a ginger yeah. ale. <laughs> I'll drink a ginger ale at the top of it, right before the show. And then intermission, <laughs> I'll drink it. It has to be cold. It has yeah. to be a cold ginger ale. And then once I actually get on stage, what I would do, I would do the first number. Mm-hmm. And then I'll go around. And then that's usually because I always get, I, I still get nervous on stage. And so... Once I go around with the audience to my back, I usually I'll say my prayers there. So I always have to uh-huh. say my prayers like on stage, not to make sure that, you know. And so that I, I guess that's a, a, a ritual that I yeah. get into, I guess. That's awesome. You wait till you get on stage then? Yeah, I wait till I get on stage. Wow. And then at my at the at my bow, then I'm like, thank you, God, thank you, God, thank you, God. <laughs> you yeah. know, only because I'm also a religious guy. So I was like, I'm just in, just in a state of gratefulness. And so I'll just make sure that I'm not taking it for granted because I know from now my, my, my first show being closing so abruptly that right. we are, I mean, this is a blessing to have the show running and being successful. And so I just, you know, I just want to make sure that my gratitude is always flowing. Absolutely. But that's it. But ginger ale, ginger ale, and I also love Sour Patch Kids, like candy and ginger ale. Like can't go no, call it wrong with those two. Absolutely not. I'm going to have to try that ginger ale. I mean, that's a pretty good idea. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I'm a big Coca Cola drinker, uh-huh. but I, I'll try ginger ale. <laughs> nah, nah, they, all, they always tease me because I was like, you know, I said, but ginger is good for you. And I don't get sick like that. Y'all sick. I'm not yeah. sick. <laughs> <laughs> right? Doesn't it help like your stomach or it whatever? Everything is good. Yeah. It your vocal cords, it helps your body. It's just like. I love it. Now, last question, last question. Do you. Um, I don't know how I'm trying to word this question right now, but what it so I'm currently going through a vocal change myself, mm-hmm. and I obviously, like you know, like you said earlier in the show, I can't reach the notes that I once hit, and you know, mm-hmm. oftentimes it gets discouraged. And so now you've really settled into like just let your voice be what it is, yeah. and so like I want to hear from you, like, what would you tell to like kids who are my age or going through puberty or are going to face it what do you tell them to like not get discouraged because there are still opportunities out there you don't have to sing the highest note yeah. to have an opportunity so what yeah. do you have to say about that well I, what i what i say is that you know i only can speak for myself but like mm-hmm. you know once i realized that my voice was unique and i embraced the fact that i was different from uh-huh. everyone else then only then was I able to accept that I could do whatever I wanted to do. Mm. So with that being said, you know, I, I tell people like, you know, what what makes you special is the insecurities that you feel like that is, you know, that you don't have just because everybody else, you know, has something and you see it, you know, like, fine, they're one in 3000, <laughs> you know, right. when you come on and this anomaly and it's different, <laughs> it's unique, you stick out. And people are more so, you know, to to gravitate towards your uniqueness and your specialness. So make sure that, you know, even in, you know, your voice is changing, still do the work. You know what I'm saying? Because that's important. It's important to do the work and to still, like, learn and continue to learn and continue to get better and to find the things and to find the people that are doing what you want to do or, or the things that your voice has changed to do. Find them right. and see how they did it and that story and, and their way identical won't work for you because that was their journey but something that they did with along those things 
will work for you and then grab gravitate towards that learn it study it figure it out and just you know stay encouraged i say everything is not going to be for us because <laughs> basically right. you know we we usually like we need one bass singer or we need <laughs> you know a bass and baritone like you know a second second tenor like i also say like try to still push yourself to learn those other notes even if you don't have mm. it just so you can be familiar with it you can you don't have to live there just be able to have some types of tricks and things that you can do that keeps you kind of working absolutely thank you that's awesome yeah, uh, well juan i i honestly i can't thank you enough this has been a blast thank you for everything that you've done for high schoolers and Rosie Cedar kids and like you, you just doing so much good for the art and just you being a performer and allowing to give people an escape and all of that. Like, thank you so much. And you know, so many people look up to you and I appreciate you for talking to me today. Oh, and, I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks. And, of course. This is fun. Yeah. I, I, I say thank you and uh, <laughs> keep, keep going at it and, you know, doing what you're doing. Your spirit is great. And, I thank you about the best of success man this is dope thank you thank you i really appreciate that of course take a bow jawan jackson i could have talked to him literally for a whole nother hour for a whole nother podcast episode his stories the type of person he is his smile his essence everything about it it was a blast and i i was thrilled that i was able to talk to him as I shared in the episode, I saw Ain't Too Proud and just literally fell in love with this guy. And I was like, he is incredible. Like, I watched him the entire show. And he immediately pulls you in. And I'm sure he did that for all of you listening. So, yes, thank you, Juwan. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for everything that you do with Rosie Cedar Kids and everything that you do for high school students who are trying to better their education in theater and giving them a space to just go and escape and do what they love. I, I mean, literally, this guy is incredible, and I can't thank him enough for giving us an hour of his time. And I hope you enjoyed hearing from Juwan and all of his stories about, you know, the different uh, experience experiences of him portraying the role of Melvin Franklin, uh, or the person, I guess that you could say, this legend of the music industry. So, thank you. So we have some exciting news coming to the theater industry, um, but also like the film industry. And I love that it's gonna be another movie musical that we can all look forward to. Thanks, Pasek and Paul. You're the best. We we love that, right? We we love mo movie musicals. It'll give us something to do. It gives us something to look forward to. Uh, with that being said, for those of you who didn't hear, Dear Evan Hansen is coming out September 24th, and I could not be more excited for this. Ben Platt is reprising his role, as well as Isaac Powell is going to be in it. There's a couple new characters. They're changing the story around a bit and adding some people. Like... It's gonna be it's gonna be really cool. I'm really excited about it. Uh, the The cast is incredible. I mean, Amy Adams is in it. Like, what? Oh, come on! All of these amazing people. I literally couldn't be more excited. I could literally go on and on. But honestly, like, we all love Dearman Hansen, right? And like, we saw what Pazic and Paul did with The Greatest Showman. So like. How could you not be excited for this? I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but I'm thrilled, and I know that no matter what. I'm going to absolutely go crazy over it and probably watch it every day. And you know what? It's a good time to be a fan of Broadway. And it's so, 
So, so cool to see Broadway getting the film industry attention that it, it really does deserve. It turns out that a bunch of Broadway stars and shows that were on Broadway and like the film adaptation and everything like that have been nominated for Golden Globes. So some of the people in some of the shows that were nominated include Hamilton, shocker, The Prom, of course, that's amazing. Lin-Manuel Miranda was, of course, nominated for his role in Hamilton uh, and they that they uh, released on Disney+. Plus. Uh, Leslie Odom Jr. got a Golden Globe nomination, which is so cool, but it wasn't for his role in Hamilton. It was for playing Sam Cooke in One Night in Miami. And this is actually, he's actually also um, nominated for Best Original Song from the film. Uh, so, and that song is Speak Now. So that was really, really cool. Um, and another uh, another surprise I felt from the Golden Globe nominee uh, was that Meryl Streep did not get a nomination. And uh, James Corden did, but I have to say, I do think James Corden did deserve a nomination. I loved his performance in The Prom. Everyone who's worked in The Prom and everything like that says nothing but good things about him and just his effort and everything that he gave to that role. So it's really, really cool to see him get a nomination after, you know, a couple Broadway performances and hosting the Tony Awards. And there are a few more uh, Broadway, I guess you could say, like, legends. But, like, I don't know if they're legends for Broadway. But they're, like, definitely legends that have been on Broadway. There it is. Um, Three-time Tony winner Glenn Close was nominated for a Golden Globe nomination. Al Pacino was nominated. Um, Brian Cranston was nominated. Cynthia Nixon. Jim Parsons. Jeff Daniels. Mark Ruffalo. Kate Blanchett. Like, all of these people. All of these Broadway alums were nominated to uh, for a Golden Globe. So it was really cool to see that and to see some Broadway recognition in the Golden Globes. We don't have the Tonys coming up anytime soon, so at least we can have something to look forward to uh, with the Golden Globe nominations. And uh, hopefully they, uh, hopefully we can uh, root on our Broadway, our, our Broadway peeps. Let's see what other fun Broadway news there is out there. Broadway.com. What have I missed? What have I missed? What have I missed? Virginia, my home sweet home. I want to give you a kiss. <laughs> oh, 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 yes. Speaking of movie musicals, it turns out that Broadway's Come From Away is also going to be filmed and released th- sometime this fall. And once again, in September of 2021. So Come From Away is another amazing musical. I'm curious to see if they change it at all or if it's going to be the stage musical that's just being filmed. Uh, I'm excited to see what they do for it because Come From Away is literally one of my favorite musicals. That season, by the way, that 2015 Tony seasons and just Broadway season of new musicals that came in, it probably is one of the best that we've ever had right like it's pretty incredible um come from away hamilton dear even hanson all of these amazing shows i mean we were definitely blessed that season and hopefully those shows will still be back after this whole quarantine is over we also heard that the tony award date will be based on broadway reopening so although the nominees are out and the voting is going to begin in march 
we're going to still have to wait. And they're not going to do... It doesn't appear that they're going to do anything virtually. I'll keep you updated if plans change. But I think they do want to keep the live aspect of it. Uh, and that date will be announced uh, based on Broadway's reopening date. So that is still yet to come. Everything's up in the air on that. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, but I, I think we can speak for everyone here that I'm very intrigued over this Tony season. I mean, it's going to be completely different to what we're used to. I mean, how can you not? There's one actor who's nominated for a whole category all by himself. And, you know, he still has a chance of not getting that Tony. So, like, what? That's crazy. So I, I'm very excited and intrigued to see how this all plays out. Um, so a bunch of fun things are happening in the Broadway community and more more stuff to look forward to. Let's turn it over to uh, Drama Dictionary, shall we? Today's Drama Dictionary is actually going to be Curtain Call. So the Curtain Call is the part of the show where it's over, right? But it's not technically over. So the curtain comes down and the whole cast usually will the whole cast will be on stage in the last number that's usually like that's kind of like an unwritten rule on broadway almost um that like your whole cast will end the show and be on stage and then the curtain falls and so when the curtain falls everyone runs off to the wings and the curtain comes back up and then you go into the bows and <laughs> take a bow but i'm um so then everyone takes their bow and there's a whole final bow. So that whole like th there's usually like a reprise of some sort. Uh, so that whole section there is called the curtain call. You actually will hear it in the credits. If you stay to the end of the episode, you will be hearing the word curtain call. You'll have some context to it, I guess, and maybe a better understanding if that isn't clear. So that about wraps up to, uh, this week's episode. Thank you for coming along. Thank you for listening. Um, I think it's important that all of these episodes in February and beyond, we really listen and we take the time and we amplify the Black voices in our community and to share their story and hear them and hear what they have to say and and listen and learn and educate ourselves and, and just be a better ally. So I, I'm excited to do that with all of you for the month of February and beyond. One more thing. I see everyone is really liking our Instagram clips that we're posting. So if you are enjoying those Instagram clips, you know, we've gotten a lot of traction on them. And if you're enjoying them, then I, I encourage you to check out our Patreon. You can have access to the full episode on, on uh, uh, the whole episode visually is available on patreon for a small fee and um it's not just you don't just get that there are plenty of other benefits that come along with becoming a patron we have our first patron meeting this friday and i'm so excited for it um so become a patron before friday to like have a meeting and i'm looking forward to really making it a community and and meeting everyone and working closely with everyone to help just build this podcast and grow it and um, get more people interested in it. So that's a really fun thing. So shout out to Tessie who also edits those Instagram clips and the visuals because everyone's loving that. So thank you for your wonderful response on that. 
And if you don't follow our Instagram, you know, check us out at Take About Podcast. And as always, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to rate and review this episode on the platform that you're currently streaming this from. See you next week, everyone. For this episode's curtain call, I would like to recognize a few people who also deserve to take a bow. This podcast would not be possible without the help from Dory Berenstein, Brittany Bigelow, Katie Rosen, Alan Seals, and the team at the Broadway Podcast Network. Next in line to take a bow is Tessie Tokash, who edits the audio and all the visuals for this podcast. A special thanks to patrons Brian Thompson, Pat McNamara, the listeners at PCC, as well as all the other patrons for their continued support. If you're interested in becoming a patron, go to patreon.com tab. And if you enjoyed this week's episode, don't forget to subscribe on the platform that you're currently listening to this on. Also, feel free to give us a follow on Instagram at TakeAboutPodcast. TakeAbout's logo is designed by Giselle Bustos, and the music is by Nikki Torsha and Cormac Collinon. Bye, everyone. Hope to see you next week. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.